everybody. It's been um, quite a week, quite a week, especially here in the States. Some of our friends are from the UK and they're having their own intense week. Uh, it was particularly intense here. And, um, and for those of us who come on Wednesday, it's an extraordinary moment to really register that one of the definitions of impermanence and this whole Buddhist practice rests on the idea of impermanence, that much of our suffering comes from thinking that things that change will stay the same. So one of the definitions of impermanence that's most powerful and most helpful is that anything can happen at any time. Anything can happen at any time. Things can come out of a clear blue sky. And our tendency is to always, of course, want things to stay, the things we like, or the things we don't like to pass. So anyway, on Wednesday, we had this sweet meditation that culminated in rejoicing because our friend Mary Ellen found a parking spot in Brooklyn. Hooray! It was a perfect parking spot. So there was a certain lightness and buoyancy. And she very charmingly shared the good news about the parking spot. And within a couple of hours, we were witnessing a riot at the Capitol. Anything can happen at any time. Anything can happen. And so in such a world, in a world that's so prone to change and sometimes radical and dramatic and unexpected change, what can we hold on to? What can guide us? And I wanted to read a very short poem that is practically a motto for our group. Um, I've read it so often. It's called The Way It Is by William Stafford. There is a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you're pursuing and you have to explain about the thread. But it's hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen. People get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you can do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. And what struck me this week, I've always loved that poem all the more when I learned that Stafford wrote it 
about 28 days before his own death. He just kept going. And it was natural to think of this threat as the path, a full path or whatever the path of your practice, your spiritual practice is. But I learned something extraordinary this week that the thread that we can hold on to, especially in times of great shock and duress, is the thread of coming home to the sensation we feel in the body. How many times have I said that? And we can try it right now, even as you listen to me. And this is why it's a thread. It's a path. We come back to sensation to begin to remember that we're here. We are here. We're present. There's something in us that glimpses that. And our path, our thread, ultimately is this. To begin to realize that we are not what happens to us, including our states, our emotions. And let me just come right out and say, I spent much of this week freaked out, completely freaked out. So the practice is seeing that we typically want to go towards our state, our object, what's happening, to fix it or make it stable, make it stay or resolve it. I'm freaked out. How can I not be freaked out? How can I find peace? And it was a week where we found ourselves, I use we, I should say I, turning again and again to these images on the news as if something would turn out. And we found they just kept turning, turning turning. So we see this reaching out, whether it's to TV or the computer or to my state. How can I be peaceful? What can I hold on to to give me hope? Or what wonderful resolution could this have or just resolution? All of that. So the thread, we come back to the body. We come back to presence. And we discover for a moment, there's an awareness that sees I'm freaking out, or I'm sad, or I'm frightened, or I'm furious. Just for a moment, we see that we're also in awareness. We are not just what happens to us. The great Trappist monk Thomas Merton said, prayer 
and love are learned in the hour when prayer becomes impossible and the heart has turned to stone. In that moment, in those times when you feel overwhelmed by what's happening, or as if you have nothing to meet this with, you turn and turn and turn and ransack the library of your learning. What can I draw on? What can help me? And all the doors are open and there's everything's upside down. Just for a moment, come back to the body, to the sensation of sitting here, breathing. And notice that you're seeing. Notice that you're aware. And in that moment, you are more present, more aware. And in that moment, you are the counterforce to chaos, to hatred and delusion and grasping for power. The three poisons the Buddha called them. Because in a moment of greater presence, mind is present, body's present, deeper feeling and sensations are present just for a moment. You're not being taken by any object. And I know none of us are in the mood for a lecture, so why don't we sit together and then we can have an exchange and, or more poems or something. But let's take a seat right now. Take a, what the Buddha called your noble seat. And you might feel anything the noble you think. But take a comfortable seat with your feet on the floor and your back straight. And let your eyes close. And let yourself have lots of space. And notice that you begin to open to a life that's quite different than how it feels to be captured by any particular thought or feeling. Something that opens to see. Completely accepting your state 
as you find it. Completely, without touching. And notice that this attention begins to relax and soften you. To soften the tensions in the body. Just letting the attention come to rest on the sensation of sitting here. If you wish, you can start with the head and let yourself sink head, face, shoulders, torso. Hands, arms, abdomen, hips, sits bones, legs, thighs, knees, calves, feet. And notice how it feels to take in the whole of yourself, the whole of this body. All of its parts, without thinking about them or trying to name them, just making space. for the sensation and weight of the body. Letting yourself fully land here. Seen by an attention that doesn't judge. And notice that there's a presence here that we share.
an awareness that sees without judging. And see that you can let yourself be in this stillness. Just as you are. And see that when you come back to sensation, you also open to this attention. Beginning to remember that you're more than thinking or than states. Also seeing. And notice that when you go into thinking, this is just nature. And you come back again to the body, which is also just nature.
And notice you can give yourself to stillness. And if thinking arises or painful feelings or sensations or pleasant, you can say very lightly, not me, not mine. Just nature. and come back to stillness, back to presence. And notice that whether you're agitated or very tired, whether you're obsessive or sad, you can say, not me, not mine. And open to a presence that sees without judging.
noticing that there's a presence here, that we're not alone. When you get lost in thought, just come home to the body, to sensation. And glimpse that there's a presence here that isn't thinking. that sees without judgment. And notice that even if you've been sleeping or thinking or obsessing this whole time, you are welcome here 
by the light of an awareness that isn't judging, just seeing, waiting, peacefully abiding. And notice as you relax that you're naturally present, warm, generous. You can't help but respond to life. To breath, sensation. feeling of being present. Noticing how it feels to be awake. Present.
Thank you for your presence, for your practice. And if you have observations or questions about the practice, we'd love to hear them. And I also want to um, stress that um, this is a practice for even great duress. And I wanted to share um, two things that I've been practicing that were, will be very helpful no matter what happens. Um, the first is that if this is the traditional way of, of naming this thread, this path, is that we're seeking continuous awareness or awareness with right view. So what is the simplest thing you can remember? Not me, not mine. If you come back, to, you, it occurs to you to come back and note, oh, I'm freaking out, and or whatever's happening. If you're saying, not me, not mine, this is right view or wise view. This connects you to the path because it means that you're more than you think in any given moment. You're more than that. And the other thing I practiced this week and that I've shared with some of you is when you find yourself completely at a loss, or completely unable to practice or depleted. Practice generosity. And the most simple unit you can think of. Starting with your own body. And, you know, I sent a note around to some of you, and it can be as simple as, what would you like to eat? Pizza. You know, I happened to have pizza last night and it was just a very kind thing to give my body. She was craving it. And let that be your practice. Or one of our friends shared that um, his baby girl saw him upset and brought him her books, which is pretty, not just, oh, cute, but beautiful and generous. And we can treat ourselves that way. Water, 
a little walk outside and let that be your practice because generosity, and you all know this because it's a very generous group. By showing up, by practicing in Zoom, and, and we're just wonderful, in my view, for coming here and practicing and wishing to practice and giving in all kinds of ways. And it's a practice of recognizing that this is the practice. It's another aspect of not me, not mine. I'm more than I think. I'm not alone and isolated. I'm part of a greater life, a greater presence. I have to tell you a, a, a small, nice story that just occurred to me. Earlier today, I was talking to a friend and I was writing down a couple of notes while I was talking to her, just like on this index piece of this index paper that I found, index card that I found in my drawer. And just before I came on tonight, I, um, I saw the paper on the counter and I turned it over and I had been talking to another friend who I'd been sad and frustrated that I couldn't help, you know, that struggle to be present with somebody and not actually try and solve the problem is something that I, I really struggle with. Anyway, I turned my little piece of note paper over and what was on the other side, but a quote directly inspired by Tracy, which just says, dear one, I am here for you. <laughs> I had written that on this card, stuck it in my drawer and forgot about it until I pulled, pulled, turned it over and there it was just when I needed it. So while I know that came from me, it also came from you and it actually came from all of you. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And, it, and it also came from Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, so yeah, so we're in good company. And it, I mean, it's such a powerful, powerful reminder that really the greatest gift we can give our other people and also ourselves is I'm here, I'm here for you. And that darling is just to begin to practice seeing ourselves as beloved, as worthy of love and care. And we tend to think of it as something like the first, like kind of gentle or fragile or something that requires quiet conditions. But we discover that this isn't so, that we can see ourselves no matter what is happening, no matter what's happening. And I just want to say, and maybe some of you, I have an experience too, but I was once in the middle of riot in the East Village. It was called the East Village Riot in the 80s, and um, which dates me. Um, but there I was, and there was this huge riot, 
And in the middle of it, I could feel, I could see and feel, and I had a practice that there was an energy that was out of control. It was kind of um, antic at first and then wildly out of control. And I could see and feel um, the difference between being present and witnessing and being taken by the mob. And that this um, tiny observation, seemingly tiny, is not dissimilar, Mary Ellen, to when you're sitting with a friend and you're observing in yourself, oh, I want so much help and I can't, I don't know what to do. That, that I don't know what to do feeling can also open to become an observation or just a moment of seeing. Here I am. Here I am. And I'm with someone. Just that. And then it becomes possible to begin to soften into that. Darling, I'm here for you. Just that. And, you know, it makes a difference. It makes a difference to be here for someone. And it doesn't matter how old you are, because our friend with the baby girl saw that. Someone's compassionate presence doesn't require like a PhD or a certain age. It's a moment of opening that we feel. And we can, can begin to trust that this is the way. This is the way. The Chicago Public Library has a book of the a, a book group that it does throughout the whole city, and they chose Viktor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning*, which I thought was such a great response to book. all of this angst um, that's that's you know felt in in this violent city. Um, so there are these things that are going against the current that. I think oh. have to stay tuned into anyway. Um, I'm glad you brought up that book because it's so helpful right now. There was an indelible last scene where Frankel, all the camps have been liberated. And 
they're running. Um, the former prisoners are running across these fields. And um, Franco says to his companion, the man running beside him, be careful because you're trampling these seedlings, these new plants. And um, the man running with him very understandably said something like, you have to be kidding. After what has been done to us, why should I care about these tender green shoots? And Franco said, and I'm, I'm recalling this, and I read it many years ago. He said, well, if I've learned anything, I've learned that everything matters, even the smallest gesture. Everything matters. The thing that set him apart from someone who would be capable of being blindly taken to an unimaginable degree with what he experienced in the camps. What was the opposite of that? Somebody who is present and can attend to even the smallest things. So if we can practice that way now in bringing the attention home, what's present, that's a pretty small unit of doing. The feeling of helplessness, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help or fury. Those are two things that were brought up tonight. And oh, I can see this without judging. That that is like not stepping on the tiny plant. It's beginning to open ourselves to a completely different kind of energy and attention. And that attention and that energy can transform us and the world. It's an energy of consciousness, not blind unconsciousness. And when Merton said that love and prayer are learned in the time when prayer is impossible and the heart has turned to stone, he means that is when we begin to glimpse that there is a consciousness, a presence that isn't just our reflexive doing. We give ourselves to this one short moment at a time. And I was thinking it might be nice in these last two minutes 
to sit and give metta to ourselves and to all who suffer right now. What do you think about that? And we just take a comfortable seat. And again, we're not striving to change ourselves or admonish ourselves or give a task. Just sit with eyes closed and just notice yourself just as you are. And notice that there's a presence in you. An attention that isn't judging and striving. And notice that there's sensation here and a feeling perhaps. And we let ourselves let this radiate out as a wish. You can think of it as a prayer or a wish. May we all be safe and protected from inner and outer harm and danger. May we all be held in the light of compassion. May we all be well in the deepest sense. May we be balanced, present, not taken blindly. May we all be at ease in our lives, not frightened, not full of rage. May we all be truly happy right here, right now, knowing that we're accompanied by presence and compassion. And may all beings everywhere open and know they're not alone and be completely, entirely free. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for your 
wonderful practice. Thank you for, for showing up here and practicing and sharing attention. 